You're listening to Scorched. A raw, real, and unfiltered podcast about drag racing and motorsports. Hosted by the man willing to burn it all down. And now, the man himself, E3 Extreme's own Damon Steinke. This episode of Scorched brought to you by Menser Motorsports, Classic Graphics, MacFab Beatlocks, and Garrett Turbos. Make sure to support those companies that are supporting the Scorched Podcast. If we talk about all of the drag racing since, let's say, from the 50s up until today, would you say that Ricky Smith is one of the top drivers, and excluding Nitro stuff, I'm not talking about that, door car stuff, is Ricky Smith one of the top drivers in the history of our sport? (laughs) I know it's always hard for people to... You, yeah. you always want to be humble, but at the same time, would you, you know, because everybody talks about you and talks about Bob and talks about Warren and right. talks about Greg Anderson and, and guys like that. And in it definitely even putting Erica Enders into the right. conversation now after all the championships that she's won, is Ricky Smith, the, and a lot of people say you're the greatest that there right. has been. <laughs> Does Ricky Smith think that Ricky Smith is the greatest? Well... You know, I hope I'm in that top two or three, okay? But here's where, in my mind, what little bit that is up there, (laughs) in my mind, that I justify myself as being as good or maybe better than somebody else, okay, in my category. Like I told you to start with, I have won three major NHRA championships since I turned 60. Mm-hmm. Okay? 60. A lot of people that's 35 and 40 don't understand what I'm saying right now. Erica Enders, like you say, is as bad as they come. Greg Anderson builds his own motors, drives his stuff. I respect Greg big time because I know what he does in that shop. Stevie, take Stevie in there. Name any of them right now, the top, you know, deal. And the reason I'm saying I'm naming these people, will they even be drag racing when they're 60? Much less win three HR, three NHRA championship after they turn 60. I don't see, and I totally respect Erica Anders big time as a woman. I don't see Erica Anders winning championships and even getting in one of these cars this fast at 60 years old. Don't think it'll happen. Will we even have NHRA by the time <laughs> well, Erica's? I don't care if it's NHRA or what it is. Yeah. I'm talking about a fast. I'm not talking about a door car, sportsman car. I'm yeah. talking about a fast, professional type car like this. I don't think it's Erica, Stevie. Basically, probably most anybody else you want to name right now. I can't really think of very many others besides that. in one of these cars winning championships after they turn 60 years old. Because you go back in the pro rank, all the way back in top fuel and funny car. 
Who's done that other than John Force and maybe one or two more? I bet you ain't three in Funny Car Top Fuel after they turned 60 as one championship. Yeah. So that's where I feel like that I have been blessed and maybe, maybe succeeded above a few other guys that, that I'm trying to, you know, that you're trying to classify me with. Mm-hmm. When you can keep doing this stuff at 67 years old, and I can still win races, I proved that this year, darn whatever. That's badass. That, that's that's. That's all you can say. Yeah, you can't say anything else. And the about next it. guy comes behind me, can do it. He's badass. I agree. Now, what a lot of people who may not know about you, um, you know, depending on who's watching this. What a lot of people, or listening for that matter, they, a lot of people don't know, and, and I wrote about this about a year and a half ago, a lot of people didn't realize your entire family is a race, <laughs> like, if you want to talk about a racing family, Ricky Smith's family right. is a racing family. Um, your daughter, Melissa, is married to Brandon Schweitzer, right. and your daughter, Amanda, I forget what her husband's Scott's name is, Scott. Won and three championships in a row for Michael Andretti in the in the rallycross, and obviously your son is an NHRA world champion in pro stock motorcycle, right. and his wife runs pro stock motorcycle. So, how do you? Don't want it. Don't race is my wife. <laughs> how do you? Like, you've got to be proud of that. Oh. I mean, you, your whole family is. We talk about racing and especially drag racing. Right. We talk about it being a family thing. And I look at you and go, well, your entire family is all, I, I see <laughs> Melissa more than I see you most of the time. Right. And it's, it's amazing to see that entire family dynamic and doing it at different, like, you know, Melissa and all Brandon. All of them are doing it at a high level. Yeah. At a not very just, high level. They're not just that. They're that not half assing anything. Right. They're all doing it at a very competitive level. You know, and is that something you instilled in them when they were growing up, if they wanted to be involved in it, that this is the commitment it was gonna have to take? I think they're they're all competitors. And I think they saw what I'd done through my early years and how dedicated and how uh, competitive I was. And I think they just fell in that deal. They want to be competitive in whatever they do. So, you know, and like you say, with my family, and, and I love John Force. Don't get me wrong. I love, John Force is probably one of the few in the pro ranks up there that if he sees me or we have to meet each other or whatever, he will recognize me, nod his head, or stick his hand out and shake my hand. You know, I feel that guy's up here compared to me. So that's pretty neat when that guy will do that. Absolutely. But, uh, what I'm saying about John is he, he has come from nothing to make millions, okay, way here compared to me. So he's been able to bring his family in with sponsors of money that, you know, he's been able to raise for. Mm -hmm. All of my family, I have given nothing. Matthew got, I give him $10,000 the first time he ever bought his first pro stock motorcycle. That's it. 
that's, I have given my family nothing to help them. They've done it on their own. I can only imagine when you guys have family get-togethers, because uh, I was lucky enough, we went out to lunch, and I got to see where your house is, where Matthew's house is. When you guys have family get-together, do you guys talk about drag racing? <laughs> or do you avoid it at all costs? I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid it's, when it's, everybody yeah. is involved in racing or yeah, motorsports. Yeah, you can't avoid it. You know, it's just everybody wants to know how they're doing and what they've done and what happened here and there. I mean, like Matthew... He'd been on the road now for three weeks, and I think I've talked to him maybe twice. I know one time, maybe twice. So I don't bother him. You know, I kind of, I can kind of watch and tell what's going on and what's happening a little bit of a way. So, you know, I know he's competitive and they're doing the best they can. And, you know, I heard, I guess Angie's bike didn't shift second round. And, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's competition out there, but, uh, We'll talk about it when he gets back home. We may go out and eat supper. I think uh, my deal and his, and he's had to buy a lot more for me here lately, but we got a place in Winston called Kampai. It's a Japanese steakhouse where they cook in front of it. Mm -hmm. We love it. So the deal is, though, who wins the race has to go take out, out to supper, me and my <laughs> wife or him. And them. Yep. So he's had to buy the last couple of times. So he, he owes me one when he gets home next week because he won Denver, right? Well. Yeah. Yeah, so he, uh, I hope he owes me too. I hope he wins Pomona this weekend. Does he still ask for dad's advice on things when it comes to drag racing at all? Very little, very little. I mean, there'll be a few things here and Yanni, you know, uh, he, we talk about or he may ask me about, but he's he's so far advanced in, in what he's doing in that motorcycle. I don't know nothing about that. So, did he ever have an interest in door cars? Or oh, he it? has it now. He'd love to do it now. He'd, he'd, he'd park that motorcycle today if I told him I'd put him in this car and could afford it, but I can't afford it. And, 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 and the deal is he's such, and we've talked about it, nothing in the last couple of years, but, you know, he wanted to. I told Matthew, you are so badass for that bike. You're the right size. You ride these things. You know how to keep them in the groove. You know how to ride these things. Stay right where you, you can rent bikes you can make money doing that if something happens later on in life you know you can build motors you've got a way to make a living here with this bike stay right where you successfully and do your deal right there and that's kind of what he's done you know this car thing is you know he, he gets a lot of tv exposure so that helps him with sponsors so he is doing perfectly what he ought to do i think well, and the reason I ask is because I know that we've I've talked to uh, one of his competitors, Eddie Craywick, who has a radial car and has had a radial car for years. Eddie says, I feel safer on my bike than I do in the in right. the radial car, right. which kind of surprised. I'm thinking those the people that ride those bikes are just <laughs> in my mind. That's just insanity personified yeah. right there, because I, I couldn't imagine Uh but it's good to see uh, that you guys are able to talk about that. And I didn't know if he had ever had any interest in, in doing, like, the door car thing. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. He, he was, when we were overseas, you know, back in the day and all over Qatar and all and KH, and, and Matthew was over there running his bike some for KH, and they had a class, and he was learning the guy to drive. And, and I think KH's dad, you know, this is just what I think, kind of wanted him to get out of that car and Manzo was tuning it 
MKH was driving, and this was a clutch car. And I was over there working with Bahrain at the time. So Frank and Matthew come walking in the trailer that Bahrain, you know, trailer, and, you know, they, <laughs> they get along, you know, but we didn't have a problem. But I thought, man, what are they doing over here, you know? So he said, we need to talk. I said, okay. So we go in the trailer and talk a little bit, and he said, look, I want to put Matthew in this car. I looked at him and I said, Frank, Matthew's never drove a street car on a drag strip. I mean, he's badass <laughs> on a motorcycle. He done won championships at the time. I said, you know, he never staged up a car, a street car at a, at a drag strip. So I said, look, I don't care. I said, I understand. I mean, hey, I, yeah, I don't, I'm scared for him, but hey, I, I, hey, if you get hurt, you get hurt. No different, you know, I mean, you, you that's, we're all going to die one day, somewhere, somehow. Some and people haven't better, realized that yet. It's probably yeah. better off we don't know. Yeah. You know, some people say, oh, I like to know. I don't really want to know. I would never want to know. Just no. take with it. But I said, just give him some 200, 300 foot laps. You know, this is a, this is a bad, this is a car that runs. And this was, gosh, I don't know. This had to be six, seven years ago. Okay. I said, Frank, these cars are running low 360s. 360, three, I don't know if they'd run 359, but they'd run 360s. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take it. Well, they went out there and they made, I don't know if they made three laps to the 330. Next thing I don't know, they're 365, 367, 362. So we left for Christmas. I think I'd, we'd come home for then. Go back, and I didn't go back with it, to do the Bahrain thing, and Matthew went driving his car. Before he left over, I don't know if it's 357 or 358, I think 358, whatever it was, they run, not just one, they run within a hundred or so, a lot of runs, but they run 357 or 358 over. That record held for almost two and a half years over there and in the United States, nobody had ever run that fast, period. And that was like maybe the 10th or 15th run he'd made in the car with a clutch. And he was wearing them out on that starting line, too. He was awesome. He was doing a hell of a job. You know, Frank was tickled to death. Now, obviously, you're, you're quite busy. I mean, I can tell just looking around the shop, you and Chad are really busy. Do you pay attention to a lot of drag racing outside of get the pro mod world and the pro stock world or do you just not have not a whole hell of a lot of free time we'll no say. I, you know it's i live in my own little world you know and most most i think good drag racers do or good racers mm -hmm. what a circle track drag what a very seldom you pay attention you know nascar reason i watch some of it is i may be home on sunday evening you know, we're not at a drag race, and you know, I want to see side. You know, I, that's about the only thing I want to watch on TV is racing. I'm yeah. a racing freak, so I'll watch that some. You know, but uh, when I get to the track, there's, I mean, today or 30 years ago or whatever, I've had people ask me, say, "Who won this?" or "What that look like?" or "What the stands look like?" And, you know, and it's and stupid because I know I looked in the stands. You don't remember it though. I don't remember. Well, they had a crowd or not, tell you the truth. I can tell you more if I watch it on TV than if I was at the track, because when I'm watching on TV, I ain't focusing on what I'm going to do next round to get down the racetrack. So I watch on TV, I look in the stands, or I look around, I kind of know. But when I'm at the track, my head is on one thing. 
reading that racetrack and figure out how I'm going to go a little faster next round. And that's just where you stay focused at, you know. So uh, it, it's, hard, it's hard to just pay attention to everything else or now, who else is winning. I've seen you hundreds of times walk the track. You're not out there with every gadget, doodad, <laughs> bullshit that I see a lot of other people, you know, dinking around with. Right. What is your process in regards to I get looking the, at a track? I got the track temp gun. Usually you'll see me with a track temp yep. gun, either in my back pocket or my hand. I kind of keep up with the track temp, and I just kind of fill it with my shoe and, you know, see how bad the rubber's turning or if it's, is it thin or is it too thick or stuff like that? I, you know, I've watched it so long, I kind of know where I'm at on that type of stuff. And then we have a guy, and actually I, he, I think he sends several people that information back in the pits. It's one of the uh, pro guys, you know, in, in Top Fuel Funny Car that has us on a text. And I really, the last couple of years, probably the last two, if not three, kind of rely on what he's telling us because I know what where his machine because all these things pull a little different yeah. one of them may be this so I kind of rely on what he's giving us information because I don't have NHR is turning us so fast on Sunday that you ain't got hardly time to go run up there and look the track especially when it's just me and Chad so I just kind of look see what comes across the text and I go off of what he's saying and then when I get up there naturally I can I can adjust the bottle pressure and a few little minor things if it's a little worse than I thought it was or a little better than I thought it was when I get up there. But I really rely on kind of what this guy's telling us, you know, it is with his pulling machine. Are we going to see, obviously, anybody who's watched NHRA Pro Mod, um, honestly, Pro Mod in general over the last couple of years, are we going to see any point where turbos are a pro charger let's face it especially at the nhra level pro charger and the and the roots blower or whatever it is have have dominated if you know we want to call it that right. i mean they've obviously got the advantage if you look at the times and you know <laughs> the wins and everything else is there a point where we're going to see true parity between a pro charger uh, a roots blower uh a nitrous car and turbo cars i mean where we legitimately have parity between four combos so that people you know we may get back to the point where we have right. 30 cars trying to enter a field or are we just past that point i can't speak for the turbo car because that thing is so queer about the way it leaves and the way it you know it does and all you can't make it run down low and one thing and another but you know the the Pro Charger, the, the Supercharger, and the Nitrous car, on the average, I feel like in two races I could have all these cars running within 200s of each other. Is it mostly just a weight issue at this point? Some of it would have to be probably done in gear ratio and stuff. But it, you know, it definitely could be done oh, where we would see. Done. Here's what here's on the time. Here's what you're gonna run into. Let's say we run into Gainesville or who wherever. First part of the year, and there's 65, 68 degrees. That nitrous car is gonna have a hard time keeping up with a blower car. Mm -hmm. I understand that. 
Okay. So you figure them having two, three races of really good air. Mm -hmm. All right. The middle of the summer, I say, and when I say bad air, when you get bad air at Denver or Vegas, yeah, not just going to run a lick air. All right. So that's two more races probably you say for the blow cars. So let's say the blow cars have definitely got it. Maybe. 300s, Denver maybe more than that, but let's just say they have 300s advantage, three and a half. But why can we not go to Indy, Norwalk, just like it was up there when it's 110 grams of water. Indy last year was 110, 15 grams of water. Hot as crap, all that. That's when a nitrous car should be able to say, okay, nitrous cars are gonna be number one qualified this weekend. Maybe not by 300s, but if we make a good run, we can sneak in there and get us a low qualifier by 100. Mm. You know, what if it's 200s? So let's give them guys four or five races that they are supposed to run up front. And that's the way that could be worked out. It could be worked out like that without a problem whatsoever if NHRA would just do. They just don't have the right people there to do this. And I'm not bad-mouthing NHRA. They're all intelligence of what they do and all that. But to lay probably, and I'm not saying it would be me if I retired, but to lay get somebody that's a good racer, kind of like NASCAR did back in the day, that really knows what's going on and how racers buffalo you and how they do this and how they do that, to lay get somebody in there that really knows what these cars can do, I don't know if they'll get it right. I don't know if they will. That's a bad deal, but I just don't think they will. You know, maybe they will, but I don't. They got to realize if they want to, these three combos to run together, they got to be willing to say, all right, this guy's going to be able to have four or five races he can run good at. Mm -hmm. This car's going to be favorable in these kind of races. And it happens. Go back and look at all the records. Yeah. It's happened at these, it's happened every year. It's cool here and it's warmer. Just, just figure it out and do it. So they won't even let the nitrous car in the last four years qualify number one when the air is bad. So come on, guys. <laughs> it ain't hard to do. It's just, you know, it's just sit down and think about what's going on here. So I don't know how you expect, just like the way they hit me all the time, you want nitrous cars to show up. They want nitrous cars to come. Well, they watched, these nitrous guys are not dumb. They have watched what they've done to me since 2012. Every time I get to running good and go test and run up front, they don't give me two or three, four months to run good. They hit me within 24 hours. So why are they gonna go spend all this money to come over and learn how to run with us and knowing they ain't even gonna get to the next race and they're gonna be knocked back down. Yep. So how do you expect them guys to come? I mean, Put yourself, and I'm done about NHRA fit. Put yourself in my shoes or Jay Cox's shoes or whoever's shoes wants to run or not. Put yourself in our shoes. And then you'll see why they don't come. You got to give us a chance every now and then to do something, you know, and not just kill us in 24 hours. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's all about politics and money that's playing a part here or what, you know, but till they figure this out, and they want all these cars to run together, they're not gonna run together. But can they run together? I think absolutely, I could take these combos 
and we'd all run within two hundredths of each other, except a certain time for three or four races and a certain time. But I'm gonna give the blower cars that time to shine mm -hmm. three or four times a year. I'm gonna give the nitrous cars three or four times a year to shine. And then the rest of the five or six, seven races, we're all gonna run pretty out. much within two hundredths of each other, and you're gonna go race and see who wins the championship. That's how I'd have it done, and I, I mean, I, I got confidence, 100% confidence that I could do that. Should NHRA be running Pro Mod in Denver? No. No. And, 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 it's and a, it's Lord knows, Vandermeer people, that, them people all out there, they are really good people. I know the two boys, we had good fun overseas together. They are, I mean, it's got nothing to do with the people. It's, it's just, just the altitude. The, the altitude is so much... It's hard enough to keep these cars competitive, like I told you, in the good air and the bad yeah. air and blah, blah, blah. You can do that. But when you take us that far out of control at 9,000 feet, the problem is... I mean, is, I've been there once, and I couldn't even breathe. Right. It, it ain't. I've been there a lot in pro stock days, you know, but it's just there's so much how it affects the nitrous car versus the blower car at that kind of... And when I say that, you got a nitrous car runs off of gasoline. Well, gasoline detonates really bad. Well, you take a damn blow car that runs off of alcohol, you can take that car up there, have it a little fat, pull a little timing out, and keep working your way back up, and you can go there. You take that nitrous car, and you pull a little timing out too much, and you gut it up there just dead fast. It'll beat the ring glands out, and what I'm talking about, between the first ring, second ring, or second ring, no ring, it'll break them glands and it'll just eat, the, it'll just tear itself all to pieces because gasoline is so not forgiving. You just can't go, well, I'll go up there and I'll run it a little fat and you don't see where I'm at. You tear it up just about as bad if you're just trying to tune it right. You know, you just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a whole different way of tuning these cars and that's the reason that I have run this stuff and you take, you take back in the day, two or three years ago, Probably 85% of the field out there had run a nitrous car one time or another. Whether it's Mike Janice or whoever, Troy Coffin, all of them. But I took this nitrous car and stuck with it and won a lot of races and some championships. They couldn't do it. Now they've got their blower combination worked out and all that. I don't want no part of that. I want to run what I want to run. Yep. They want to run what they want to run. And we all should be able to do that if NHRA would just get on their high horse and start making rule changes now, now, and now. Not, oh, I think it'll be all right. Oh, the next race, well, they going, the weather's going to be there. We're going to wait on that. Get out of here. Do exactly what you've done to me, and you'll get this class back in check. That's the only way it's going to happen. 40-plus years. What is the, do you have a single greatest moment? Has it even happened yet? What would, I mean, if you could look back on your entire career as of right now, do you have like one moment that sticks out more than anything else? I mean, that's a long career. Yeah, no matter what we're talking about, and most people don't even last at a regular job that long much less motorsports yeah it's uh you know damon i've had a i've had i've been fortunate enough to have a lot of good moments thank the lord he's blessed me to be out here this long and 
not just let me do this, just let me from a, almost from the second year I started racing till now, I'm competitive and I can win races and championships, you know? So, uh, naturally I've had a chance to have a lot of good moments, but, uh, and I, and I say this, I've said this several times and I guess probably the, let's just say so far in my life, my most probably gratitude moment has been where I thought that I had succeeded and got my peers realized that I am here mm -hmm. was when they done Bristol and the first four people that went on that tower up there when they redone Bristol, the first four, there's been a lot of good ones coming along behind mm -hmm. and nothing disgraceful to them. But when they put, the, not the first two, they put four on there the first time. Larry Carrier, Wally Parks, Don Gartless, and Ricky Smith. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, what can you say about that? We're talking about you being in the same category as the man who started yeah. NHRA. I mean, I that mean, in itself. Where do you go any better than them three? There is none. There is none no better than them three. I'm not saying I'm in the same class they are, but somebody, the media people from my understanding voted on this a lot, you know, somebody realized that I had had a hell of a career and had and won a lot of races at Bristol Motor Speedway, or Bristol, over the IHRA years, and put my name up there with them four guys, original. That has been my thing. And speaking of IHRA, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, about what a month a month ago I think yeah. they announced that you were uh, finally. <laughs> it took way too damn long to do this finally inducted you into the IHRA Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that. That's, again, another huge accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, like you say, I, I was watching some of that stuff and the guys that went in was all, you know, great, no, no doubt about it. But man, when I left there, when I basically, when I say I left there and started running NHRA and all that stuff, when I left there, I'm pretty sure, and I may be off, one number, but I think when I left there, I was the winningest professional driver in IHRA. I had passed Don Gartless. And then Clay Milliken started running over a lot when I left in Top Fuel, and he ended up passing me years after that, you know. But when I left there, there were badass drivers from Warren Johnson to Raymond Beadle, a lot of them guys over at the time, I had surpassed and was a winningest professional driver in IHRA when I left. And it took them this damn long. And it took them this damn long to realize I need to be in the Hall of Fame. I am proud of it. I'm glad they finally did. But I'm kind of like you. I was thinking, man, what are they thinking here? You know, I mean, this, I, I've dominated classes over there. I've had classes done away with because of me over there. Am I going to get in here or not, you know? And I thank them very much for giving me that opportunity to be in there. What does the future hold for Ricky Smith? 
I mean, what do you envision? How long do, are you going to keep driving? Man as knows long that. As, He's up yonder. As he long as he, <laughs> as long as he keeps allowing you to drive, you're going to keep driving. Is that the plan? You still feeling, you know, good? I mean, no. You've shown that you can win. Yeah, I can win. That that ain't the problem. You know, uh, it's all probably about money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all probably about the money. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't. This is my business, and uh, I just this deal here with SoCal and and all. Uh, this all come through to a guy that was on my car back in the 80s when I was winning my pro stock championships was Junior Michael that owns Parkway Ford here in Winston-Salem. That's how all this come about. Junior and his brother Tim, they own 18, 19, somewhere in that range, Ford Chevrolet Jeep dealerships. Well, Junior's a Ford man. Junior's office is at Parkway Ford here in Winston. And we've been friends since the day I left and went to in 89 went to Pontiac and uh, I've always drove a Ford truck I trade with Junior I was driving a Ford truck I think day. it was pretty damn comfortable <laughs> when we went to lunch today. I drive I'm a Ford, Ford guy so ain't nothing about it. I, I wouldn't have nothing but a Ford truck period so we just been friends and about three years ago or so uh, they, I got was talking to Junior and he ended up putting Capital Chevrolet on the car which they own and, and Wake Forest we had it on the hood scoop and stuff, and then when I lost my sponsor and all, uh, IDG, I was with them seven, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Well, they sold the company out. Well, they kept me on. Charlie got them to keep. They kept me on one or two years after they went out, and then finally, the, the lady they had in running it, they they end up doing away with her, and then you know naturally when you start changing CEOs. They got ideas. They may like golf. They may like this. They may yeah. like that. So, you know, Charlie Lingerfeller, which was John Lingerfeller's brother, he he was running this company and all. And when they sold it out, you know, he was gone. So, uh, when I ended up losing all that deal, Bahrain come on the next year because I was looking after Belushi's car and they helped me the next year. And then after that, uh, I just kind of didn't have nothing. You know, it was the end of. Last year, whatever, and the COVID deal and all that, and, and we, me and Junior was talking there. I don't know, it might have been September, October, and he said, "Man, what are you gonna do next year?" I said, "You know, I don't know." <laughs> I said, "I'm with all this mess going on." I said, "This is the first year out of a lot of years. I'm, I don't even know who to go ask because I said with all this COVID stuff." I'm so afraid, that, you know. Every, you know, a lot of been a lot of no's, you know, when you ask. But I said, I just don't know anybody to ask. I said, I don't know what's going to happen here. So he asked me. He said, Man, I've, I've been watching you a long time. You know, I've seen you out here. He said, You know, we ain't neither one of us getting no younger. And he, he kept talking. And he said, What you got to have for the door of that car? And I didn't have no idea, you know. He, and I told him, he said, well, that's kind of what I thought. He said, I've been talking about this and this and that. He said, give me a couple of days. I thought, man, are you kidding me? I'm thinking this to myself. <laughs> this guy's going to step up and try to get me a sponsor to help me here. <laughs> it was less than two, a day and a half. He called me back and said, done deal. That's what he said. I said, do what? He said, done deal. I said, you I said, you're kidding me, Junior. He said, no. He said, we're going to do it. 
He said, I got a friend, Mark Socal, that does some of my stuff, and, you know, and I'm going to pitch in. He's going to pitch in. He said, we're going to do it. So that's the way this deal here come along. And Junior, I told him what I wanted for next year and all, and he's done, they done committed to that. So we are going to go one more year. And I got to make up my mind here at the end of the year, me and Junior's talked. We may announce it, you know, and I said may, mm-hmm. because I said I was going to retire one time about five years ago in the tie, I think it was at St. Louis when I had the championship sewed up before, almost before Vegas. I made the statement in there, if I win this championship, I'm gonna retire. And I did. Well, ever since then, the media has retired me every year. Oh yeah. Oh, Ricky said Well, no, let's not say all the media because (laughs) I I know better. But, you know, every time they say, well, he's retired. How many times has he retired? No, guys, you're wrong now. I retired one time. I said I was going to retire. Yeah. But ever since then, I've been retired. Well, I ain't said that. And that's what I'm saying right now, maybe. But I will say one thing. It's it's probably 70% I will versus I won't. But it ain't after 100. T- after 2022. After 2022. Yep. Does I your- mean, I'll be 68 this winter. I mean, damn, damn, how much longer am I supposed to do this? How much, you know, like I say, I'm, if, if NHRA lets me be competitive, yeah, I'll still win races. It may win the damn championship. Yeah. You know, I mean, I may win the championship, but I can still win, win and, and do, and that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good honor at this age to still say I can do that against, you know, like I say, you know, I mentioned Stevie because he's young. He's won a championship last year, too. Whether it's him or Brandon Snyder, you know, uh, I would say Mike Janice, but he's not driving right now. But you know, I can still do this. Mm-hmm. It's all about the money, and naturally, I need to win some races or run run very respectable to keep sponsors. You know, in by you know, Junie and and Mark, they're helping me basically because of of a relationship that I had 40 years ago. That's the way this come about. So. Uh, I'm just so thankful that them people are giving me opportunity to still race. And I know they wouldn't be, I mean, they wouldn't even be thinking about it if they didn't think I could win some races, you yeah. know. And, uh, Does your wife just, want you to retire? Uh, she don't care because, you know, she, she's been Keeps just, you away from the house anyway. Well, no, we've been married 49 years. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. She works at, she's been at this hospital, I think, 40, 44, 45 years. She works in the pediatrics department, Baptist Hospital, with kids with leukemia and cancer and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So she'd been in this department 44, 45 years. And she could have done retired. And everybody keeps asking her, just like it do me, when are you going to retire? And we both talk about something. And she loves what she's doing. Does she get disgusted and, and, and tired sometimes? Yes. Long time doing this. But we both stop and think, what the hell are we going to do? I don't think we'd have been, and I'm not saying we wouldn't, but I don't know if we'd have been married for nine years if we'd have fucking stayed at the house together all the time. I can't imagine Ricky just being out on a boat just right. fishing all the time. So I don't see she that She loves happening. what she's doing. You know, if we both stay busy, my theory is I've watched a lot of people die after they retire a year or something, and it was in good health. Yeah. Because, because they just shut down. I don't know if I want to just shut down. I think I do. 
But I don't know if I want to just shut down because I want to live a little longer. But so I don't know. I, I mean, it's 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 all up now, you know. And you know, it, you know, I'm I'm getting tired. Ain't no doubt about that. I'm getting tired. No matter what, we're I don't good. have the stamina that I had when I was 35. You ain't supposed to. I don't know. I don't have the stamina I had when I was 35, and that was 10 years ago. But I can so. get away from this stuff. I mean, I can be away from this stuff three or four days, and I'm miserable. I am miserable. I love racing. I love Sunday. I stay right in the shop. Saturday, if we ain't racing, I'm over here in the shop. I live right here in this shop. I just, I don't feel comfortable at home. She knows where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, she needs me. I'm right here. I mean, I just, I just hang out here. I just, I'm picking and looking and maybe looking at some runs and I'm just, I'm just here. This is what I love to do. Does she love racing? She loves racing, but uh, she's got the attitude that hospital can't function without her. <laughs> so she's always got to be there. So she's there. She don't take. I'm telling you, and. and but they let her. They've let them do this. But I mean, she's got enough vacation time. I think she could take. I don't know. She couldn't take four months off or five. So when was the last time you guys went on vacation? Well, we'll go to beach and stay two or three days, and that's all I can stand it. And she knows it. Now she loves it. She can go down there and sit and read that book. Go out on the beach, lay out there and read a book, stuff like that. You know, and and that's fine with her. Fuck, I can go down there. And Piddle around about two days, and I'm just moving. You're I'm, ready to be back at I'm the shop. I'm ready to be back at the shop. You know, I mean, I, I just I can't stand it. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it, it, as far as just taking a vacation, going somewhere for a solid five or six days a week, I I don't know. I I we try to do something in Thanksgiving ever, since my mom died in '16. That was a that was a thing that I kind of put together because my mom always wanted the family to stay together. So we decided after she died, because we always went over there for Thanksgiving, that we run a house at the beach and everybody goes to the beach and stays four or five days together. Whether we fish, play cards, puzzles, you know, the, just stuff Talk like that. Talk about drag racing. You know, <laughs> and, and, but that's, that's kind of of our probably our biggest vacation our family time because racing's over with but then you ain't in a hurry to get back home next week to go so that's probably the biggest thing i'd say probably is our vacation is is we go we take a week of thanksgiving and go to the beach and all get together have you followed or seen any of this electric vehicle drag racing stuff like the big thing this last week was apparently there was a tesla that ran like a 908 in the quarter yeah. mile right off the showroom floor or whatever it was. And a lot of people are saying that's where drag racing is headed to. <laughs> I, and I hope made. not because I'd rather hit myself in the face with a frying right. pan. But have you have you experienced or watched any of the electric? Just, just because I happen to be watching TV on Sunday and looking for my son, okay, these last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I saw that Ford car out there, you know, on TV. Yep. But other than that, would I turn the TV on and go to watch that? Absolutely not. I ain't, I ain't interested in that. It don't make no racket. That's you know, my exact I just thought. ain't doing it. I mean, to me, racing is listening to that engine. I mean, if you like racing and you know anything about racing, 
You want to hear them engines roar. You want to hear the RPMs. That's racing. Whether it's circle drag racing or drag racing, it's about the noise, understanding how many RPMs they're turning and what's going on. Just going out there, riding up down the racetrack, hearing the tire squeal, that ain't doing nothing for me. Are you a terrible spectator when it comes to drag racing? Pretty tough. You, you be, can't take your ass egg, up in the I'd stands be an and watch. Spectator. You know, ignorant. <laughs> I mean, I, I've tried that a few times. I mean, that's the reason we lose. You know, we leave. I mean, I ain't, you know, I, I love racing, but I just, I ain't no spectator. I want to be involved. And that's one reason I retire. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could. I'm thinking when I retire, I gotta be, I'll be totally done. I, I just want to walk him, away altogether. I want him watch it on TV. I probably I want to watch my son. You know, I might watch that live on NHRA when I can pick it and watch it when I want to. But uh, I probably just I, I'll have to walk away from it to really be comfortable myself, and you know, and stuff like that. Cause I I don't know if I can. I would like to help some people, but here's the deal. I, I'm not. I'm not the person that wants to go out there and help four or five people mm -hmm. straighten their cars out. I want to be dedicated to one, two cars max and fix them and help them people. So is there anybody willing to pay me, you know, full time to do that? Or I'm not going to go out there and peel around and help a guy here and there for a few thousand bucks or this and that. I ain't giving up what I learned or what I know or whatever for measly couple thousand yeah. dollars i ain't doing it. i just stay away hell with it could you imagine a point in your life if you decide to retire and matt decided that he wanted to get into pro mod that you worked with him in a i mean would that be a scenario that you could imagine staying in the sport I, you know, without I, being a driver I, there, ain't a, there ain't a problem me working with him and having him and him get along fine and stuff like that you know it's just i don't see him doing that because he's such he's had a, such a hell of a career in motorcycle yeah He'd be a, he would be, a, and I'd say it to his face and say, "Now nah, he'd be a fool to walk away from that motorcycle and try to this, a fool. Because he's got so much history, so much knowledge, and can build his own engines and all that stuff, whether he has a sponsor or people come to him and rent bikes or he builds engines for them and goes to them. He, at his age too, at point of time of life, he needs to stay exactly where he's at. Now, I've known you for years now, and, and just so you guys know. Oh, yeah, Chad is over there laying on the floor. <laughs> um, in, in all the years that I've known you, it's been you and Chad, and then at some point Logan was, was helping out here and there. Um, but it's always you and Chad. Right. Now, I see so many people that want to be part of the team. You know these people, they get the crew shirt on, they stand on the starting line. They don't do a damn thing. They just right. want to be part of the team. So I see you and Chad, and and then I liken it to, like, Billy and Shannon because it's two people. That's right. it. How is it, because everyone says, well, you need all these damn people involved, all these hands involved, <laughs> and I see you and Chad winning championships, getting shit done, how is it that you're able to maintain this level at a, it's such a, a professional level, get everything done with it just being the two of you? Is it because of the relationship and the understanding that the two of you have built and the trust that you have for each other over all these years? Or 
how, you know, you see teams that have five, six, seven people. And then I look at you and Chad and go, well, they're winning championships. They've won championships and it's just the two of them. Why do you need 12 damn people over in your pits hanging out? Right. What, what is the key to a successfulness when it's just the two of you? Well, the first key is you got to be willing to work. And I and take it from me, I've seen Chad work. Yeah, that Chad, guy, Chad. Chad's willing to work. And at my age, I'm still willing to work. Mm -hmm. Can I do it what I've done 20 years ago? No, Chad. I've told him, I said, Chad, I'm going to work hard, but i got to watch what I do on Sunday if I'm going to get in that car and be decent on the tree. So we understand that. Now, the second thing is the whole deal of two people is being organized. Absolutely organized. Everything you know where every tool is, you know when you start to work on that motor, what you got to have. You ain't running back and forth to the toolbox. When you get there, you got a tray, you roll out all the tools you need, boom, you're ready to go. You got to know what every bolt is that you're going to touch mm -hmm. and get that wrench. You know, and the second thing is, just like you're talking about, me and Chad's been together long enough to know we can turn the car between rounds and never speak to each other. Never speak and go right back to the start line, know we're ready to go. Because he knows what he does and I know what I do. So that's the two things. You just got to know what you're going to do. We get some people in to help sometimes. And Lord knows I, I would I appreciate the help. But a lot of times that almost hurts you. It's more of a hindrance. Because, and, and I'm not saying anything bad about them, but you don't know what they've done. So now you've got to go back and still do it again, whether it's me or Chad, whether they help Chad do his job or, you know, you, you appreciate the help, but you end up damn near going back and doing it anyway because you don't know if it really got done. So it's just it's just a process of main thing is be organized. The second thing is just know what you do and do what I do what I do. He does what he does. I don't try to get involved. You know, in his deal, because, you know, then it messes him up. Is this done or whatever? So, you know, I try to get what I got done and get in there and look at the computer. There's a lot of times I make all these calls and do all this stuff, and I may not look at the computer three to four minutes. And you got crew chiefs in there sitting there looking at the computer 30 solid minutes between rounds while the other people's working. I, don't, I ain't got time to do that. And what I've noticed is it, there's... There's two teams outside of you and Chad that I've noticed are very successful with very small crew. Jack and Stevie have always, have, whether it's on the radial side or the pro mod side, and I know that they have a cord over there, I think is his name now, and obviously Phil, and they've got some other people there. But a lot of the time it was Stevie and Jack, and then I look at Shannon and Billy. And I think there's something to be said for small teams that work well together because then I look at some of the other teams that have five, six, seven, eight guys, and it's a giant cluster. Everybody right. is in everybody's way. Nobody's getting shit done. Nobody knows what got done, right. who did it, anything like that. So, I mean, do you prefer, you prefer it to just be you and Chad because you guys are on kind of the same page after all these years? I would prefer to have another full-time guy especially in my careers, you know, my age and all, to take some workload off, you know, me and Chad. 
But the problem is it's all about money. Yeah. It's all about money. I can't afford it. I would love to not have to. I drove that truck. <laughs> Chad don't even have CDLs. Yeah, I was going to say, so, you drive the rig. I drive the rig all the time. I would love to not have to drive that rig to St. Louis or Houston, Texas or whatever. You know, I pick the shit out of me. I don't drive to Vegas. That's the one thing I did stop doing probably around 14 or 15, somewhere now after we won started winning championships. I just told Chad, I said, my treat is going to be, I'm going to hire somebody to drive this rig out there. You're going to go with them, but I'm going to hire somebody to drive so it. So you just sleep the whole time is, is what he's saying. <laughs> I said, I'm, you know, I'm just going to, that's my treat to me this year, these years. I'm not going to drive because you leave here, it's three days to get there. It's 35, 36 hours. Well, you get there on Thursday. We got to get out and put the awning up because I, you know, I do that with him. I mean, I towed half the poles. I do half everything. So when I get there, I, you you almost like jet lag in these things. When you ride that long, these trails, you, you ride, need a whole day off just to get you, you need a, at least a whole day off just to get recouped. And I don't have that. So I said, if I don't if I don't get myself a little better fresh when we go out there, there's no use even going at all. So that's kind of the reason I don't drive that trip anymore i hadn't since about 14 or 15 it's just i want to be a little better frame of mind when i get there you know because it's all about being in the right frame of mind whether i drive this car right or whether i make the right calls on the you know on the tuna it just i can't be just plumb wore out tired disgusted you just end up making bad calls mm -hmm. what do you see obviously i'm asking this from a media perspective what is the media in our industry, whether it's me or any of, you know, the rest of us, what do we need to do in your mind? Because you've been around since, you know, people were shooting on film. There was no damn internet. You waited for National Dragster. That was really the only publication um, for a lot of years, uh, at least at the pro level. What do media outlets need to do to better expose people to our sport and why they should be interested in the sport. What do we need to do from your perspective of somebody who's really seen it all from every angle? Well, I would say one thing on some of these media things and magazine coverages and whatever, they. They can either like me for saying this or don't like me. don't seem like they care anymore anyway, so it don't really matter, okay? I'm just going to be truthful about everything here. A lot of people or several magazine people used me back in the day. I was always in their books, cars, centerfolds, front cover, all that stuff. I never paid a dime to get there. I paid a dime because I raced hard and I run hard and I won races to get there. Just like you coming down here right now. I ain't paid you a dime. Nope. I did go buy you lunch. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Even though I did ask him, I could have bought my own lunch, but yes. I did go buy you lunch. Yes. But you come down here to interview me for what I am. It's up to you to go to sponsors and get your money for the magazine or whatever your deal yep. because they want to listen to what I got to say or some other people you're exactly. going to have on I got to say. So 
That's the same way in these magazines out here right now. They're all hung up on who's going to pay them to put their picture in the magazine or put the picture on the front cover. Bad deal. Bad deal. If you're good, as you say you are, these people, then go get the sponsors after you interview me, Stevie, Jim Whiteley. Put us on the front cover because we're racers. Go find the money to support your deal and not have to rely on me here. And what I'm saying is, I've been on the front cover of several books, but they just forgot about me in the last seven, eight years. Well, guys, I've won championships. I'm still out here as an old man. There's still a lot of old people that like to watch drag racing. There's a lot of them here in King that's older than I am when I go in a restaurant. Man, what'd you do today? What'd y'all do this weekend? You, it's amazing to me some of the 75 and 85-year-old people that know me from years ago seeing me on TV that see me and say, hey, how, what'd you do? How you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. So they're still interested too. Just because we're getting old don't mean we ain't interested in what's going on. Do we in the media do it? Are we too complacent and forget about the history of our sport in the past and are too focused on the what's happening right now and that's what that's who I want to talk to or you know whether it's obviously everybody wants to talk to Stevie. Stevie is obviously very popular with a huge amount of people or street outlaws or or that younger generation and we don't do a good enough job at educating the newer fans about what drag racing, you know, who was drag racing before there was a Stevie Fast or, you know, all of those people. Before that, there was a Ricky Smith and still is a Ricky Smith and a Bob Glidden and, you know, all of these uh, Ronnie Sox and all of these other people. Do you do you see, and, and I don't want people to think that you're angry old man because I've known you long enough you're not angry old man but and this is why I wanted to have you on because you're truthful about it and the fact is and you and I have talked about this before that we in the industry forget very quickly about even if it was last year two years ago three years ago well we've moved on from that in people when you say angry old man, you know, I'm sure some people want to look at me that way. But, you know, what made that man old, angry? What made that man an angry old man? Oh, I could answer that. It's, it's the... You know? It's getting used. A lot of times, uh, whether it's racing or me or, or whatever it is, probably the one thing that... Uh, makes a man angry and, and I'm saying a person let's say a sports person you know whether it's me or Erica or Greg or a baseball player or whatever when you've succeeded pretty good out here the most thing will make you angry is disrespect disrespect and that's what I've got a lot of in the last four or five years mm-hmm and you can tell right now, I can get mad about it. Oh, yeah. 
and anybody wants to sit down and up front me about it, bring it on. Because I'll go one-on-one -on -one with you about the disrespect that some of you people have given me of what I've done. And I still say my age because I ain't seen nobody else do it. Mm -hmm. Maybe one or two people at max. John Force is one, the only one I... But it's disrespect what you're giving me and what I'm still capable of doing. I can still win. I can still whoop your ass. So why are you giving me this disrespect just because I ain't young again? If you live long enough, you're going to get old too. That's a fact. Now, I do want to, before we wrap it up, I do want you to be able to, I know we've talked about your sponsors. I want to make sure all of them get the proper credit for everything that they've done for you. So if there's, you know, people that you want to, we've talked about SoCal, we've talked about Capital Chevrolet. Who else is involved in the program? Well, you got, you know, my deals, I try to put, a, you know, a lot of little deals together to keep it rolling. So, like you say, you got Mark SoCal, you got Junior Michael, Tim, his brother, with, with uh, Capital Chevrolet. And I have to look at you got Steve Vick, you got Mark Stockset, which sponsors Matthew. He's been with me for several years. Uh, we got uh, Richard Bell, which is on the car from Texas. He owns his own business. And uh, naturally, Lucas Oil is a big part of my deal. You know, I appreciate everything they do. Cause it, it costs a lot of money out here if I had to buy all this oil. Yeah. So you got Lucas Oil and you got VP Racing Gases. Man, they, VP's been with me. I've been running VP Fuel for, I don't know, <laughs> about as long as I am old, you know. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, those type people is who keeps me alive out here on this stuff, you know. And, I mean, <laughs> I'm just looking. I don't know who else. Ricky Smith. <laughs> but you got... You know, and, and I got a, a newcomer this year come on board, Wilson Concrete. That's Tyler Wilson. That's my nephew. You know, he's my sister's boy. So I think this is my nephew, but I know he's my sister's boy. But anyway, I'm not good on cousins and uncles and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, Tyler come on board this year, and he's been helping me, you know. So, you know, we got uh, GRP Rod still helps me really good. V Gaines. Yep. You know, I've I, I, I worked for V Gaines back in the day off and on a little bit and helped him and that relationship it, there's a lot of long time relationships here with me that's helped me still survive with these type of people helping me you know and, and uh, right now I mean I, Vinolia was with me a long time and they went out of business and then luckily Wiseco has picked me up and they helped me you know Vic at Wiseco and all them people so there's something there, to be there's nobody when you look at a decal on this car it's not on this car just if I win a race and get that measly four or five hundred dollars. Yeah. It's on a it's on my car because they either help me with product or I get a hell of a deal on price on product. Okay. So I'm just not I'm a type of person through my I'm not just gonna throw a bunch of decals on my car so if I win, I get paid four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a type of person you ain't gonna ride my car all year long. And may not win a race, so you wrote it all year for free. So everybody's got to help everybody if they want to make it in I this agree. business, what I'm saying. And I'm just thankful for the people that helps me. A lot of them still, Moroso, 
they've, they've helped me with parts, Howard up there has helped me with spark plug wires, stuff like that for years and years. I mean, so, uh, you know, it, it takes all these people that's on my card for this deal to click because I don't ask SoCal for a stupid amount of money. Yeah. You know, the, my major sponsor's not crazy. I try to go around and get a bunch of little sponsors to help make this deal work out. And the next thing to the money on this deal was my rental program. And when I lost that this year, basically because the shifter rule, period. There ain't no, there's no other question. Dennis Rafford to tell you, you know, it, it ain't even a doubt. The reason I lost a lot of money this year was because of this automatic shifter rule. They took it away, and now they give it back. Well, you just can't flip a light Shocker. switch on and tell them people, I want you to come back. Yeah. They made them commitments back in December, six, seven months ago. That money's gone. They done, got, done something else with that money yeah. or got something else going on. So, And now they done fooled around and let me get rid of my other nitrous car, so I don't have but one nitrous car. Yep. So how am I going to bring two cars back out there? That wasn't my fault. That wasn't my fault. That was some rule-making stuff. It's cost me now not to have two cars show up here at the last. Because I would have had two cars out at least. I would, Dennis was going to do two to four. I'd have had a, I would could have probably had minimum five or six races this year that I'd have had two cars. And it had been nitrous cars, yeah. something different. But I didn't. And speak of the nitrous cars, you run Musi. You've been running Musi for a while now. Right. So you and I'm assuming you and Pat have known each other for quite some time. Pat's known each other a long time. We didn't really have business deals together, but we raced back and forth between me and Musi and Roy Hill. Back in the day, you know, we partied together, raised hell together, and stuff like that. You know, we've had some good times together back in our younger days, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, you know, Pat's just—he's—he's. Uh, he's, uh, just been a hell of a friend over the years. When I left Sonny Leonard, and I didn't really leave Sonny, something come along up there, and Sonny was helping me with an engine, and I had it on the engine, and then things turned around, and he wanted to do something else with that engine, and blah, blah, blah. And so Musi was buying cylinder heads from Pat, and when he kind of heard it, he said, man, I'll, I'll help you. He said, I'll help you with your labor and some stuff on your engine, stuff like that. He can't put out no money. He said, I can help you with some labor and stuff if you'll come run my stuff, you know. So I said, hey, let's go for it. Well, then about it, I wasn't there about a year or so with him, and he taught me to run a fuel injection, which I thought I'd never do. <laughs> so uh, that's that's the way I got into fuel injection was with Pat. And, uh, Pat, you know, so far in this business, that's really helped me financial-wise that's said and done what they said they would do, whether I was winning or struggling, has been Jerry Beckle race cars and Pat Muse. It's a pretty good combination right there. Would you have been <laughs> would you have been able to do this all these years if it weren't for your wife? Because she's been a huge supporter. I wouldn't even be here. Yeah. Be honest with you. I'd have probably been running wild and drunk and got killed. I wouldn't be here right now. She's pretty amazing, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anybody else you want to, you know, mention or anything before we wrap up? That's the two main thing. Like I say, Jerry Bickle has just been, we've been together since about 86 or 7. And uh, 
that man has done everything he said he'd do with me. He's stuck by me, good, bad, win, lose, or whatever. I hope I've sold a lot of product for him over the years. And uh, I can say, Pat, me and him done this deal back around 2010 or 11. And uh, I've tried to, he knows in my heart that I didn't want to leave Nitrous, and I actually ain't never actually. I've, You've never I've really never lied. left it. I've always had that one of them cars sitting here in my yep. shop. So, and, and he knew, but I've had to try to venture off some to try to get some of these rules done, or, you know, this and that, you know. I mean, so Pat stuck right with me, you know. I mean, he, he knows I'm a nitrous guy. I'm a pro star guy at heart, and I'm a nitrous fan at heart. I, that's just me. And so those two guys, 100%, have stayed behind me. My last question for you. What advice would you give the younger generation coming up right now, whether it's they're looking at pro stock, they're looking at pro mod, whatever, whatever else it is. What would you tell the teens or the 20-somethings that are coming up in drag racing right now? What kind of advice would you give them? Besides not to line up against you. <laughs> well... The only thing I can say is you you got to be dedicated to want to race, and you better love it. And when I say love it, you better love it. You better love it damn near more than you do family. Because when I done this and I started this, and people say all they want to, racing was number one, family was number two. Just flat ass the way it was. Mm -hmm. I don't care who has hardly been successful starting from ground up like I did, whether it was Dale Earnhardt or John Force. When it comes down to it, that race car was number one. Now I'm talking about if, if I had my wife or my kid was in the hospital, seriously hurt, about to die, absolutely I'd be there. But other than that, that car was number one, period. And that's the way you better be ready to do this if you want to be successful. If you're going to come in and that car is number two or three, you want to go play golf, you want to go watch your kid play ball, you want to do all that stuff, don't get in this business because you ain't going to the top. You might and win a race, you might do something here and there, but you ain't going to the top unless you're ready to sacrifice family for that. And for 40 years, you've made a career out of it. 41. Well, I think that wraps it up. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in or listening. Um, and and we always have to mention you, you always man, which you, Chad, you, you at least got to come in here and say You've hello. mentioned him a lot, and that's the reason I ain't said much. But yeah, there, see, that way, anybody that knows me right now knows me and Chad are when you, we're just when together, you go to the and track, that's it. You know? This is Chad. That's just, just like he, he was saying about number one, that car, even after his dad passed, that trailer was rolling. He wasn't in it that day, but I was carrying it to the track so he could fly there and be there. Yep. So it's dedication. Because I know that's what my dad wanted. And it takes just as much dedication on your part, too, because oh, yeah. you've been a part of this. How long have you guys been together? 2009. 2000. We started working together on, with uh, Alan Ozzy, and he heard, that, before I even knew about it, he had heard that they were going to let me go. 
and I was on vacation at the uh, lake with no cell phone service, and he he called me about 15 times and left me <laughs> voicemails. And he said, I heard there was fishing to let you go. I hadn't even, I was on the way to work that morning. He said, I, I just want you to give me the first shot. I said, all right, I'll let you know. 12 years, 13 years yeah. later. And he, yeah, he said, I want to do it one year. I said, all right, and it's been one year ever since, and that's been 11, going on 12 years now. I mean, I worked. Three world Ch championships. Me and Chad Maybe. worked together well with Al and everything, and then was, he was shouting him, and I, I mean, I ain't dumb. I think yeah. you've done all the work. And when they saw my letting Chad go, I said, man, that's that's a, that's just plumb insane. So I jumped on Chad, and we've been together, and Chad will tell you, I'm not going to hardly ask him to work any harder than I'm going to try to work. You know, I mean, I can only do so much the last couple of years. Like I say, I, I can tell I ain't quite what I used to could do, but still. Do a lot more if, than a lot of the others do. If, if, if we get in that damn truck, drive down, he can stay in that sleeper and do whatever. And has a better and has a better sense of humor than most other people <laughs> out there. Let me tell you something quick before I let you too. go. <laughs> where, where were we? Was that it? Was it Brainington? Was it last year for Snowbirds or U.S. Street Nats? Yeah, uh, Snowbirds. Snowbirds. Yeah. Chad and I are standing out in the pits. Awning, I don't even think the awning was up yet. So we're standing out in the pits. Is that morning or yeah. Yes, that yeah. was that yeah. was that was like Wednesday shower, morning yeah. or whatever. Breakfast. Chad's facing the trailer and I'm facing away from the trailer. Chad starts giggling. Well, Ricky's got these doors on the trailer, like the glass doors or whatever they are. And I turn around, and this man right here, Ricky, has got his shorts around his knees and his ass pressed up against the door and he's looking over his shoulder just laughing and chad is laughing and all i could think about is this man's got the most white amish ass on the planet <laughs> but you turn around i mean it's it's stuff like that nobody ever sees and it's been an ongoing joke with the three of us now for since it happened because even when i messaged you about coming down here i messaged you on monday or tuesday Monday, I think it was, and I said, I'm going to come down on Thursday. Well, the moon will be ready. Yeah. So it's been an ongoing joke, and it's it's building those relationships, and people don't get to see that side of it. I think that's one of the other issues that we have in this sport is, and that's people why. People get a message about me, and I'm a hard ass, you know, and this and that, but when I go to that racetrack, it's my office. Yeah, I, it's I'm your job. To, I'm married to fucking win races, not to, to have a party. And there's a, don't think that I don't like to party as good as anybody. But when I roll in that gate, I'm out for one thing. That's to try to do good. Yep. But Lord knows, I like to have a good time like anybody else. Just like, you know, I just shot you to the moon and all that. I'm human. Oh, I laughed. Hey, I'm I human. laughed. I like and laughed to have a good time. That. I mean, I'm a redneck just like anybody else is. Don't think I'm no city boy. I I'm laughed a about redneck. that all weekend. Yeah. That was. Or, yeah, or when uh, everybody was doing the slide out there, that slip and slide. At yeah, I Whiteley's woke up pitch one night. One night. <laughs> I just had back I'm surgery. Like, oh, my God. Like, I hadn't been over yeah. a week. Just we were at Bristol. And we're out there, and I hear this racket going on. I done gone to bed. It was <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. We sleep in the trailer at the time. Yeah. I hear people laughing, cutting up, carrying on. Well, Jim Wiley was parked to the side of us, but in front of us. We were kind of headed trailer. Jim, his boy, Bob, Bob at, at, with us, uh, Satterfield, Satterfield yeah. all of, there was probably 10, 12 people standing oh, yeah. out there.
they had put a big piece of uh, this uh, rubber mat like yeah. with Parker Carl. They got that dirt. out there and soaked it in detergent yeah. and water and had it just slippery as shit. Well, they were getting out there and running out and sliding off of it, you know? Doing the belly slides. A couple of them had been drinking pretty good. Were they on the concrete? Yeah, it was on oh, the asphalt. Oh, shit. You know where they so, parked the Romans yeah. down there in the bottom of the hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where that's they where were. That's it was. So I, <laughs> I just, you know, like I say, I ain't been over back surgery. A week and a half. Yeah, a couple of weeks maybe because I, I was able to drive. But anyway, I go out and I, I said, you know, I want to have fun. I said, Shit, I ain't drunk, but they was having fun. Jim Wiley was out there, like I say, his boy was out there. They was all sliding and Jim was out there. Sure, I come out nothing but my underwear on. <laughs> Hit that thing and went right at it and I mean just splat. Went right sliding out across <laughs> that. I mean, everybody just laughing, you know, and all. And I done it that one time. I wanted to do it more, but I kind of felt my back. I said, man, I don't need to be this stupid. One and done. <laughs> but Jim and them, I think they ended up doing it so much and they got to running so hard they slid plumb off the thing. They had tore their hands oh, up, uh, tore their bellies up on the asphalt. They, the next morning, they kind of, they had fun, but they regretted it because they done got asphalt rash. But we had fun. So don't think that Ricky Smith don't like to have fun. It's just at the racetrack, it's hard for me to have fun because I'm, I'm so serious about what on I the do. job business. But I love it. I love the fans. I love to have fun. I just, I'm just a hard ass when I get to the racetrack. And it's been successful. So you can't argue with the success. <laughs> right. You really can't. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody, like I said, tuning in. And uh, come back next week for another great show. You've been listening to Scorched. Scorched. Raw. Raw. Real. Real. And unfiltered. Join us next time when Damon scorches it all again to find previous episodes, news, commentary, and event coverage. Head to E3 Extreme. There is no one better.